The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, hello. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the ministers at St. Matthew's. Our theme today is from darkness to light. Uh, not all of you will have been a part of an Advent service before. Uh, we've been having them at our traditional eight o'clock service uh, for a number of years, and we find it's a great thing to do before everything gets too frantic at Christmas time. Advent means coming, coming. What we're doing at this Advent service is we're looking back to the first coming of Jesus when he came humbly as a little baby. But we're also looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, which is still ahead of us. A coming which will be glorious, as everyone will know that he truly is the supreme ruler of everything. So that's our focus today. And our theme comes from one of those readings that we've heard today. We've heard a number of readings from the prophets and from one of the Gospels. But we're focusing in on what God said through his prophet Isaiah in chapter 9. And that's where our theme comes from. Out of darkness comes light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Now, the people who first heard Isaiah speak, I think we can understand, even though it's a long time ago, it's probably about 2,700 years ago. I think we can understand the sort of situation they were in and why they felt a sense of darkness. Uh, they were God's ancient people, Israel. Uh, they had come through a long period of prosperity and of peace in the place where they lived. But now it wasn't like that anymore. Now they'd been living with civil unrest. There were outbreaks of civil war in Israel. But even darker than that was the shadow that was cast by their very aggressive neighbour, uh, the great superpower of the time, the Assyrians, and their army, which was on the march towards Israel. 
The job that God gave to Isaiah was to help the people understand that it was actually them that had brought this upon themselves. Uh, they had turned their backs on God. And so a large part of Isaiah's role was to help them understand that this darkness they were feeling and that they sensed was approaching was in fact nothing less than the judgment of God. And so his prophecy, so much of it, is an announcement of that judgment and a call for them to turn back to God. But his last word is not judgment. And in Isaiah chapter 9, a great shaft of light shines through the darkness as he announces a time when light will come. So in, in chapter 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Uh, this year in Sydney, here in Australia, began under the darkness of pools of bushfire smoke. Uh, other parts of New South Wales and Australia were so heavily hit by the disastrous bushfires, which went on for so long. So in our new year, we had, had dark bushfire smoke across our city. Uh, but it was only the beginning of, in so many ways, a dark year. We've had the gloom over us for so long now uh, of the COVID pandemic. And that's been associated with fear, with uncertainty, uh, with isolation. Uh, in, in many ways, we've been mercifully spared from the worst that other countries have seen, but it's been a difficult year. And even in a year when it's not like this, um, in this fallen world, as we look around uh, for all, the, all the, the goodwill that many of our politicians have, uh, we see too much that is tawdry in politics. And for all the wealth that we see around us, uh, we know that some of it, some of the wealth comes off the misery of others. And in our own circumstances, we may be very familiar with physical suffering, uh, with mental anguish, with relational dysfunction. So we know what it means to experience darkness. But here, 2,700 years ago, God promises that light is coming. And we'll see that in the form of a child that was prophesied more than 700 years before he came. In chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah proclaims, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here is Isaiah announcing that a little baby will be born and when he is born, that light will be dawning. And as he grows, it will shine because this little baby will show himself by the things that he does, by the things that he says, by in fact what God himself, the Father, says, that he is no less than the wonderful counsellor. He needs no advice from anybody else. He just gets it. He knows what to do. He's the mighty God. He's no one less than God the Son. He is the everlasting Father in that his rule is like the rule of his Father. It's firm, but it's gentle and it's wise. He is, in fact, the Prince of Peace. 
See, Jesus, Jesus shows that he is all these things and more. As you read his story in the Gospels, it's such great news that the baby born showed himself to be the one that was promised by Isaiah. By his reconciling death on the cross, Jesus breaches the chasm that there is between fallen humanity and God. He does everything that's necessary for people like us who've turned out our backs on God to be made right with God so that there can be peace between us and him. Not only does he reconcile us to God, but in his resurrection and in his ascension, he becomes the one on whom God the Father gives the rule of everything. So at Advent, we're looking back on that first coming of Jesus and all that he achieved. He achieved so much in his first coming. He's done everything that's necessary to bring people like us to God. But in his first coming, and even today, he has not yet done all that God had promised he would, or even that he has promised he will do. And so we're looking forward to a great day when he will come again and when his glory will be clear to everybody. It's a day when there will be a final, a final end to the influence of sin and evil and Satan and death. It's a day when a whole new creation will come into being at his word. See, in the tradition of Advent, we're looking back to the first coming of Jesus in wonder and joy that, that God the Son would humble himself and truly become one of us out of his great love for us. But we're also looking forward to that second coming when he will usher in a wonderful new creation. Isaiah says the day when he comes will be a bit like the, the, the way that the farmer feels, the farmer who's lived through years of drought, as many farmers have here in Australia, the way the farmer feels when he brings in a great harvest. And some of them are experiencing that today. The feeling we'll have on that day will be like a, a prisoner whose arms have been bound with a bar across his shoulders, who is released. Because when Jesus comes again, he will establish justice and righteousness and everlasting peace. Now, taking time out like we are today to deliberately look ahead to the second coming of Jesus, I think does at least three things for us. Firstly, it gives us reason why, as we heard last week, we would choose to Live lightly in this world. Travel lightly in this world. On the day that Jesus comes, it won't matter how many things we have gathered to ourselves in this life. Knowing that he's coming again is extra motivation for using the blessings that God has given to us to bless other people generously. Deliberately looking ahead to the second coming of Jesus gives us reason why we would choose to travel lightly, to live lightly in this world. But it does a second thing as well. It means we need not lose heart when things get difficult. 
uh, deliberately focusing on the certain coming, the second coming of Jesus, means we can gather perspective on the hardship, and it's real, but the hardship that we may be experiencing now. I mean, if you're, if you're feeling a darkness, it, it might feel like that darkness is impenetrable. But as the Apostle Paul says, in comparison with the eternal weight of glory that awaits us, our troubles here, as heavy as they might feel now, are light and momentary. By comparison with the, the wonder of what we will experience then. So in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, we don't lose heart. Even though outwardly we may be wasting away, and it describes the circumstances that he faces. Even though outwardly we, we may be wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And so he says in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 4, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not even on what we feel and experience, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, the future that Jesus promises with his coming again, since what is unseen is eternal. Now, when you're in the middle of it, the brokenness that we experience today, that we feel, that we see, can feel like it's going to go on forever. But friends, what we see and feel today what we may even anticipate in the rest of our lives here is not the end of our story. And what we see and feel today is not the end of the story of our world. Advent is a time for us to keep before us the great and precious promises of God about what will happen, what, what that wonderful future will look like when our Lord Jesus comes again, when he comes a second time. So we choose to live lightly, to travel lightly in this world. We don't lose heart, as difficult as things might be. A third thing, I think, focusing on this coming of Jesus is we've got to make sure that we're ready. Uh, Jesus says, I will come again, but no one knows that day or even that hour. He says, I will come like a thief in the night. Not like how a thief comes to rob, but the way in which a thief is probably going to come at a time when you're not expecting them. So you make sure you're ready. You make sure you're ready. Now is the time to make sure that you're ready for that great day when Jesus comes. Make sure you're ready for the coming of Jesus by turning to Jesus now. The first people who heard this prophecy of Isaiah, they, they knew they were living in dark times and so they were looking for light. They were looking for help. They were looking everywhere for help and for light, but they were looking in all the wrong places. They had turned their backs on the God who would welcome them back. And so Isaiah again and again called them to turn, to turn back to God. And today, as we focus on the second coming of Jesus, it's a day to make sure that you are ready. You're ready for that day when Jesus comes again. You can trust the one who promised that Jesus would come as a baby. You can trust the one who promised that he will come again. 
And you can look forward to that day with joy when you know that you've been accepted by him, when you know that you've been received by him, when you've accepted all that he's achieved for you in his first coming. Looking back, we look back in wonder and joy at the first coming of Jesus. Looking forward, we can know that prepared for us is our, our eternal home, which will be a place of joy, a place of light and a place of peace. So can you see the value of looking forward to the second coming of Jesus? It helps us make those choices to live lightly now. It, it, it helps us not to lose heart when we're facing difficulty. And it sharpens our minds to make sure that we are ready. We are ready for when he does return. And then what a great day will it be.